the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are in the eye of the hurricane with Coach Shakur, the official podcast of Manatee Hurricanes Football, with your host, Chad Cho, and head coach of the Manatee Hurricane, Yusuf Shakur. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of In the Eye of the Hurricane with head coach Yusuf Shakir. I'm your host, Chad Chode, and always uh, we are joined by head coach uh, Yusuf Shakir. Thanks for coming out, coach. Thanks, Chad. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, everybody out there listening to us again this week, and uh, we'll get right into it. Last last week, uh, Friday night, didn't get the outcome we wanted. Lost to Palmetto 18-12 to in overtime, and, you know, it was just a, it was a classic um, – Manatee Palmetto game. I mean, I, it goes back. There's really only been. I, I went back and looked at the scores since 2000. There's really only been two games that have been decided by more than like six or seven points. Mm-hmm. So it's just. I mean, it was when we scored. I mean, it was just classic Manatee Palmetto game. Obviously, we, we ended up on the wrong side of, of the of the win loss, but um, plenty to plenty to to look back and say we did some good things, and obviously some things we need to improve. First, though, with the weather delay, and this is something that we happened last year to us at Lakeland as well, with the weather delay, some of the sloppy field conditions, things like that, explain a little bit just from a coach's standpoint and, and how do you handle that with, with the guys um, and, and do you do anything differently pregame, that sort of thing, and then also playing on that, on that type of field, does it change anything game plan-wise, offense, defense, special teams? Well, before getting the pregame, you just try and keep the kids as focused as possible. But as we all know, especially kids now more than ever, attention span is very, very short. Uh, and they were anxious, too. You know, they were ready to play. Our kids were ready to get back out there from, from the game the week before, and they were anxious. Uh, so it's just really just trying to keep them under control and just – because they just want to know, can we go, can we go, can we go? And just got you just got to wait it out when it comes to the weather because uh, you definitely want to get it in that night. You don't want to come back the next day. You don't want to try and play it on a Monday. Uh, then you have to get ready for another game on Friday. So uh, that's the thing about pregame. Uh, during the game, uh, you really got to – the ball conditions are more important than anything else. You know, can you just keep a – because the ball starts to get heavy. And oh, yeah. That's the biggest thing, you know, about you in, in your passing game. And then you try to make sure you get quick pass, short, quick passes. Uh, you try to make sure you get the, your receivers – more important than anything else, just running precise, direct routes because, in fact, you know, a lot of double moves is kind of hard for them to do during that time period. Uh, defensively, it's a little bit uh, of a little bit of an advantage, a little bit because you can reduce down a couple things that the offense can do, possibly. Uh, then and, and really, but you just got to keep your footing and it just gets when those guys get in space. You got to get get to the ball, run to the ball a lot in those situations. So you just got to change a little bit of what you're doing, but really not that much uh, away from it. You know, you really want to be able to, basically the main thing you really want to be able to do is really run the ball and be able to stop the run when it's wet. Um, looking at, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the defense first. I thought much better game from the defense side this this go around than, than against Lakeland, and a lot of that has to do with getting some guys back with, with Ives and, and Martinez. 
mm-hmm. big plays and, and I and I looked a little bit at the at the scouting report. You talked about big plays. Big plays, you go back and look at that, sometimes they're gonna cause big momentum shifts in the game or they lead to points. And I think it was they had about two big plays. They had the big pass, looked mm-hmm. like it was just a, a coverage breakup, and then they had a big run from Hickson that ends up setting up some points as well. How do you how do you defend against big plays? What what is what what does that go into uh, for a defense to stop those plays from happening? So specifically in those two plays, what do you see maybe that happened that we just well, got to correct? Well, when the the, the pass play, uh, we didn't hit the blitz correctly. Uh, that's the first thing, and then the second thing, you know, we had our kid that uh, was a little bit injured, you know, kind of got in on that play, and it, it just the ball kind of found the right guy in that situation. He didn't read it correctly. Uh, so with the blitz coming, you don't expect the ball to come out hot and fast. But also he kind of set on the route, expecting the blitz to be there. But we didn't hit it exactly how it was supposed to be hit. Uh, and so he just kind of, you know, let him get behind him a little bit. And then on the run fit, uh, we just had our two inside guys just guessed on it. You know, just there's no other way to put it. You know, it's kind of guessed on it and uh, didn't fit correctly. It looks like it looked like I think that was the second half. Mm-hmm. They came on the second half a little more spread, a little more five wide motion. The guy in the mm-hmm. backfield. Does that come into play with some of the line? Maybe is that something we saw earlier in film on them? Is that something they just maybe have done? Yeah, no, no, we saw it on film. Uh, we just had to fit correctly because you know after that run they didn't get any any other run. Right. You know we just fit it back correctly and, and they knew. Yeah, and that's just that thing, you know. Um, and that just situation, you know, we just just both situations were just opportunities that we didn't take advantage of. And so we, you know, but out of. The whole game, but you know, they were in key situations. Sure. Uh, and really, the first touchdown really came out of a penalty, you know, on us. Uh, it threw a screen and you know, we pushed quarterback down. It's just not good football. Yeah, I mean, you know, penalties. I definitely thought there was first. I thought the officiating was was um, pretty bizarre, mm-hmm. but but I think it went both ways. I think there was bizarre calls both ways, no question. But it did seem like we shot ourselves in the foot a couple times that that either stalled us or created them to to keep going. Mm-hmm. What do you really do? I mean, how do you, how do we fix penalties? I mean, that's the been a thing, the, the main thing about penalties is a lot is about experience. You you see a lot of times more experience. A lot of teams that are very experienced don't have as many penalties because those kids have been in those situations. A lot of times penalties come from two things: either kids are fatigued or they they panic in a moment. Those where penalties usually come from. And uh, I think sometimes we just kind of froze up or kind of panicked. Just try, a lot of times with our kids, they're trying to do too much. We're just They're trying to do two and three things instead of just doing what they're supposed to do and being responsible for their responsibility and, and doing their assignment at time. They're trying to do too much. So, And I, and I think that was the biggest thing, improvement from week one to week two. We just had... A lot of our kids just did what they were supposed to do in week two as compared to week one. That's what we talked about last week after the Lakeland game. Specifically, you know, the kids are trying to do too much. And, and sometimes when you do that, you either lose assignment, your assignment football. And mm-hmm. in this case, possibly some some uh, penalties and, and that sort of thing. Let's talk a little bit about the offense. Um as far as you know, you talked a little about the quick game, things like that. We got that going towards the towards the second half. That's something that eventually leads to the touchdown. I think it was Jaleel Duncan who catches that. Um, was it Irone? Irone catches it on the edge, makes one guy miss. Then he's off to races, makes mm-hmm. a, makes a secondary miss as well. How does that? Um, is that something that that 
we've been working on? Is that something that you just saw? Maybe something Palmetto did? No, that's that's all. That's just in in, in our offense scheme with Coach Green. That's one thing he always talked about. You know, throwing hitches. You got, you got to be able to throw hitches. That's since day one. Since I worked with him, that's what he always talked about. You know, we got to be able to have throw short, quick, precise passes, you know, and got to get the ball in those guys' hands quick because it eliminates the pass rushes, eliminates the blitzes, uh, and also you got you find if these guys can tackle in space. So, now that's a staple of our offense. That's a staple of Coach Green's offense. Uh, just get the ball out and get it quick, you know, just have precise reads and easy completions for the quarterback. Get the quarterback confidence going, easy completions, and you can just build this confidence. I was going to say the same thing. You got, got a young guy, sophomore, you know, really his second start. Um, spring game, you know, is a spring game. So, little those completions like that can get him going and get him get him going in a groove um before we go on to to next segment here a little bit about um iron jackson playing defense obviously we saw a little bit in the lakeland game we saw more last week what made us put him over on that side of the ball we're gonna see more of that was there injuries or or what what was that we've been a little banged up you know kind of uh, that really that first week of school you know we just had a rash of injuries uh, just freak injuries to a lot of different kids, and so uh, we just we've having to play a lot of kids in a lot of new places where they haven't had experience, and so uh, we've all the plan was always to play him at corner some this year, especially when we went against some bigger receivers on the edge. Uh, so actually, you know, we actually have a plan for another guy we have too play a little bit corner when we got a matchup against two tall receivers is um so, is shamar is shamar back it was he one of the injuries that yeah he was one he, okay he uh had a little stinger from the lakeland game in his shoulder and so we really didn't he really didn't get a chance to practice last week and, and really uh really get the feel for practice and really test that shoulder out you know one thing about me you know, if i if i can't see a kid that really can perform in practice and I'm not going to play them the next game, you know, until they can show they can perform in practice. Because my thing is, number one, the kid's safety. I know a lot of times kids say, oh, coach, I'm ready, I'm ready. You know, if you're a competitor, you're going to say you're ready. But, sure. you know, as an adult, you got to make sure the kids are well taken care of. And they, once they show they can do it in practice, then you know they can do it in the game. And I think, you know, any parent, you know, that's what they – you know, as a that's what they want the, the coach to do for their kid. You know, make sure that their, their kid is safe first. Well, that's it for this segment. Uh, as we talked a little bit about the Palmetto loss last Friday, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break with more of Inside the Eye of the Hurricane with Coach Youssef Shakir. Champions aren't made by sneaker companies, social media, or television networks. Champions are forged by Florida's merciless summer sun. One more sprint ran in the sand, one more set of bench presses, and one more hour of rep after rep after rep until perfection is reached and character is made rock solid. Coming soon, the Hurricane Champions Foundation will provide the resources needed to cover the cost of special projects and gear needed to ensure that our Hurricane athletes participating in all sports have the resources and opportunities they need to match the size of their hearts and the depth of their dedication. The Hurricane Champions Foundation, supporting Manatee High School athletics. Champions are made. Details coming soon. 
Welcome back to Inside in the Eye of the Hurricane with head coach Yusef Shakir. I'm Chad Cho. Joining me now is uh, offensive coordinator, assistant coach Jacquez Green. Coach Green, thanks for having uh, just giving us some time and, and coming into the podcast this week. Uh, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. So, time to grill you a little bit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're a gator. You're, we're, we're not going to grill you here. Um, tell me a little bit. I mean, we, we haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. Um, and, and some folks, you know, are, are probably, I would say, unfamiliar with your coaching style and things like that. Playing days is different. Tell me your offensive philosophy just as a whole. What, what do you believe in? What do you want to, to try to accomplish as, a, as an offense? I want to be I want to be a physical offense. I want to be able to run the football. I want to be able to take higher percentage passes, you know, complete a high percentage of the quick game and, and take play action pass and take shots downfield once you, you know, gather in the box to try to stop the run game. Uh, I want to build a physical office, if nothing else, at the end of the night. So um, talk a little bit about where your philosophies came from. Obviously, you played under Coach Spurrier, so everyone thinks, oh, you know, he's going to be a, a fun and gun type guy. We're going to wing all over the field and, and, and that sort of thing. Where, where did you put all your offensive philosophy together from? Um, just just over time, you know. Coach Spurrier, I think I learned the passing game from him, though, how to get guys open. Um, I went to camp with Coach Gruden. I learned a lot of the West Coast concepts that, that I still use to this day. Um, and also, you know, being an assistant coach, and I've always been the assistant coach with defensive head coaches. So you learn to look at the game from a defensive perspective, you know, understanding how to try to give the defense time to rest, you know, understanding how to have a hard-nosed run game in practice so your team used to seeing the physical run game once they get into the games. Uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit about Palmetto game this past week and, and the, the offenses, you know, Lakeland is Lakeland, so we understand who who they were. Hopefully, people understand who what they're going to do this season to most teams they play. But I thought that you know I think as a coach you always want to see a progression. You always want to see get better from week week one to week two to three to four, etc. How do you feel about the overall performance from the offense? Did you see things that that got better and things we can build off of? Um, I think we played better than Lakeland game. Um, uh, also, you know during that game we we were one player here and there away from making some big plays in the run game. I thought the quarterback played a lot better than he played the first game. He didn't seem as you know flu- flustered in the pocket this game as much. Um, I think we still got to do a better chance, you know, a better job of protecting them up front, uh, and we got to do a better job of keeping our heads up and our double teams so we won't have guys running through the through the middle of the offensive line. I mean, deep, offensive line free. So we'll talk a little bit about the offensive line. You know, when especially with a young kid, young quarterback at least, inexperienced and and youthful in age as well. Offensive keeping in protection is, is obviously key. So we did struggle a little bit, you know, last week, and, and give some credit to Palmetto. They've got some good guys on the defensive line, and, and they're blitzing and bringing some pressure. What can we do to help offensive line as far as in it, and maybe bringing some extra guys in um, in the box to help to help block, maybe some plays. What are some things we can do to maybe help in that situation when offensive line struggling a little bit? I think we'll have to um, move the pocket a little bit more this week. Um, move the pocket. Jace is an athletic guy, and I think if it's, if it's not there when he gets to the perimeter, I think he can put stress on defense with his legs. Uh, we made a few adjustments at the end of the game also when we drove the ball down to tie the game at the end. We made some adjustments within the protection to help out a couple of our linemen in protection. So we'll, we'll look at you know, using that a little bit more in the future to help Jace feel comfortable in the pocket because I think he has a good enough arm to make the throw. Most of the throws are asking to make as long as we protect them within the pocket. Some of those changes I thought, and, and I think that these were the changes, little two-back sets kind of blocking the edge there and helping, which, you know, explain to the folks out there that may not know what that means, that, that kind of protection change. What does that help when you put a running back in that's not going to help block? Yeah, a lot of times when teams run spread-type offenses or they, they have uh, the tackle, 
you you have what you call as an open edge, which is a um, it's easier for a defensive end to run around the edge when it's just a tight end as opposed I mean, when it's just a tackle as opposed to when you have a wing or a tight end on that side also, and it also widens the edge. You know, it makes it further. You put the defensive end further away from the quarterback, which gives the quarterback a little bit more time in the pocket. And so we did some things with putting wings on the edge and putting wings backside, so Jace always felt comfortable in his backside. And, and if anybody comes free front side, he can see him with the eyes and he'll understand how to get the ball out. Um, coach talked a little bit in the first segment there about the quick passing game. That's something that's that's in, and you talked about a little right there too. It's a, kind of a staple for you. We thought that we did that pretty well. I thought you know in, in the game Friday. What does that do? Uh, Coach Akir talked a little about the confidence of the quarterback. Did you see confidence grow in Chase to be able to now one sec it's going? What else opens up? You know. Yeah, he, he threw. I thought he threw the ball well. You know, early in the game he, it was still wet outside. The ball was still real wet, and and I kept asking how he felt comfortable because I'm not gonna put him in a bad predicament. You know, try to make him throw the ball if he doesn't feel comfortable throwing the ball in the, in the wet weather. But I saw as the game progressed, he had a better and better grip on the football, and the ball started coming out. Lot better, start spinning. Um, he did a good job. He was making good pre-snap reads. He was throwing the ball pretty good. So I think he threw the ball a lot better this game than he did the first game. Talk a little bit about you know obviously you were a great punt returner in back in your day and, and um, I don't mean to say you're older or anything like that. You're probably pretty darn good right now that they put a ball up. I saw I've seen at practice you coaching those guys up in the back end. What are I think to be honest with you that's probably one of the hardest things to do is to catch a punt. And if people don't really, you know, the folks out there listening, they don't really think about it. You've got guys running full speed at you, some not even blocked. And you've got to stand in there and catch a punt, make a guy, a couple guys miss, and then try to make make a play out of it. How do you coach those guys to – what do you say to them, make them comfortable back there and, and being able to catch a punt? You you with me on that. I think returning punts is one of the toughest techniques, you know, and everybody always have an idea of what, what they should do, but they've never been back there, so they don't know what to do back there. Um, the first thing is you have to make sure you get where you can see the punter. So you need to see the ball come off the punter foot. Um, it's like playing center field. You have to get a jump on the football. You can't just wait once the ball gets up in the air. You have to get a jump on the football. Um, you have to keep your feet active once the ball is, you know, coming down to you, and so you won't, so you stay in position to catch the football. You won't, you, you never want to get your feet lazy and reaching for the football. And you know, the main thing, like everybody always say, you have to keep your elbows in tight, so you, you're making a basket, so you receive the football. You don't never want to have to reach for it or, or reach out front or reach behind you. And you try to get the ball with a little forward lean. You, know, you want to catch the ball on the go. You don't never want to catch the football falling backwards. So those are the main tidbits of techniques. I think the best punt return guys are guys who are natural catchers of the football. I don't think you can really put a guy back there and make him a punt returner. I think it's just an instinct that a lot of guys have that you can improve on that technique. But I think you have to have it in you to be a punt returner. I yeah. think you can really make a guy a punt returner. A lot of times, uh, they're defensive guys or DBs that are back there, and a lot of times because of the mentality of what of who they are, you know. I mean, DBs like to talk to trash. They let, you know, they can be physical, playing the run game. I tell you, the one thing. So we, we had a guy, Kelvin McKnight, and I don't want to go too deep into it. But we had a guy, Kelvin McKnight, uh, who's obviously trying to make the NFL roster, uh, did not punt return for us. Electric guy, and he just it wasn't for him. He goes to college, and all of a sudden started, and and it just I, maybe just clicked, and maybe just happened. Um, so when you say I mean, that, I've only seen one. That's only happened one time in my career ever watching football and being a part of a coaching staff that that uh, it, you just have it. You don't really got to teach it. They just got it, and they want that ball, and they want to be able to make some plays like that. I think it's a mentality, you know, especially once you get to college, you're probably thinking, no, oh, this is a way for me to get on the field, sure. so I better take advantage of it. Um, 
lo and behold, that's the way I've gotten to feel every level of football. You know, in high school, I made my I first start returning punts and I started scoring touchdowns, so they started playing me on offense. Uh, when I got in college, when I ran those two punt returns back in Kentucky, people don't realize Reed L was a punt return in that game. He just came out and I, he, he came out the game and I started returning punts for the rest of the game. And after that, I became the punt returner for the rest of my career. And in the NFL, we first when I first got to Tampa, Carl was the punt returner. And then I started doing that job a little bit better than Carl, so I became the punt returner in Tampa. And Carl was a hell of a uh, hell of a punt returner. Carl, yep. Carl Troop Williams. So, so let me ask you this, and then we'll go. We'll keep going on to, to ball. But would you be okay with a guy reversing field like you did against Kentucky <laughs> <laughs> on the punt return? <laughs> no, that, that, that was just instincts. You know, I think once I got through so many guys, I saw the sidelines. So yeah. I figured I had to go back across the field and. Uh, it was more of a running style I had when I first, you know, got to college. Sure. I, was, I did a lot of cutback running in high school, and I was young. And one of my guy, one of my coaches said, "You look like Gail Sayers." I didn't know who Gail Sayers was at that time. Yeah. And then once I got older and I saw his running style, like, oh, he did a lot of cutback and went in his running style. <laughs> it's so, one of those, no, 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 yeah. no, yes, 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 yes. Keep yes. cutting. So looking forward to to Brain River this week coming into you know home game here at at uh, Hawkins Stadium. They run a three three five stack. So for those folks who don't know, three D linemen, three linebackers, five DBs. Um, what are some things that you see that they do well? And maybe some things they don't, maybe we can be successful on. You don't have to give too many secrets away, of course. They do. One thing about the 3 3 stack is they, a lot of guys have to bring pressure. They bring a lot of pressure, you know, try to get the run, a lot of guys up in the run fits. Um, I think they do a good job with it. They bring a lot of different guys. So, I, so our offensive linemen have to keep their heads up to see who they work to in their combo and see who they work to in pass protection. Um, I think they play hard. You know, they well coached team, they play hard. And they 0-2 like us, so they try and get a victory the same way we are. Yeah, good stuff. Well, listen, uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, don't go anywhere, anybody. We'll be right back after this quick break with more of In the Eye of the Hurricane with Coach Yusef Shakir. Champions aren't made by sneaker companies, social media, or television networks. Champions are forged by Florida's merciless summer sun. One more sprint ran in the sand. One more set of bench presses. And one more hour of rep after rep after rep until perfection is reached and character is made rock solid. Coming soon, the Hurricane Champions Foundation will provide the resources needed to cover the cost of special projects and gear needed to ensure that our Hurricane athletes participating in all sports have the resources and opportunities they need to match the size of their hearts and the depth of their dedication the hurricane champions foundation supporting manatee high school athletics champions are made details coming soon welcome back everybody to in the eye of the hurricane with head coach yusef shakir i'm chad Cho. joining me again here is coach shakir uh, as we'll wrap up this week's prod- podcast with a review or excuse me a preview of this week's game versus uh brain river we'll be home 7 30 here at uh at joe canan field at hawkins stadium it's love to love being home i love the seven home game schedule it's a beautiful thing brain river comes in they're zero two as coach shakir or coach uh, green just mentioned last week they lost to riverview they were home there uh, 35 or 30 35 to 28 largo the first week they lost seven to two uh last year we played them away uh at brain river lost 41 to 31 coach uh shakir here what do you see from the film of Braden river what are some good things they do offense defense special teams that we got to be ready for on friday well they're big up front on offense uh so that always going to create some issues for you 
they have some they're very precise in what they do. They run some no huddle offensively, so that's going to be an issue uh, with some things they try to make. They try to go tempo on you, uh, so that that that, that kind of create some problems, create some issues. Like Coach Green said, they blitz a lot out of the 3-3 stack. Uh, in the kicking game, uh, they do a couple different things. They try to, they have about four different kickoffs that they try. They try to pop the ball in different areas. They do it on the straight on onside, and they'll kick the ball deep on you. So they just try to keep you guessing in, in, in what's coming in special teams. They're also on their punt team. They threw a rugby punt and a traditional punt. Uh, and they have a couple guys out that can, that can run. Also, and of course, they, they have some size up front on both sides of the ball uh, and inside of that box, especially on defense. Uh, they have some, some bigger body, thicker body kids. Uh, so that's always, you know, in high school, you know, every time you have some bigger kids, that's going to create some issues for you. So offensively, um, you know, other than the size, they got a new quarterback. The running back actually we're pretty familiar with is uh, Levante Humans. Mm-hmm. Played with us last year, is over there now. Um it seems in the scouting report and, and watching film, they're pretty balanced run-to-pass yeah. ratio. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the difficulty in that when an offense is truly balanced like that, what kind of pressure is that put on a defense to, to stop them? Uh, well, I don't think it puts as much pressure on you because most times that people that are very balanced usually hold very true to down and distance in those situations. So that kind of helps you with those things. And a lot of people who are very balanced a lot of times have tail signs uh, here or there for what they're throwing the ball. They have, they have certain setups. If they're running the ball, they have certain setups uh, because they want to be good at what they do. So they, they don't really try and blend it together as much as some teams who try to confuse you more or less than anything else. Uh, they're not, they're they, they going to give you 11 personnel for the most part or 10 personnel and uh, they're going to line up and come at you. Uh, defensively, we've talked a bit about they run that three-three-five. Um, what kind of getting? You know, Coach Green talked a little bit about um, the blitzing and different looks that they can give. What is that really for for the quarterback, for the offensive lineman, really, especially those two groups? What is that? How does that make it hard for them to be able to make reads when they should or shouldn't make reads, or maybe calls? for blocking where they should or shouldn't? I think it's more for the offensive line than anything else and just trying to get them thinking who's coming and who's not coming, just try to get them to become a little passive in what they're doing. So it's most of them, you know, more gap exchange than anything else that they, the 3-3 three, three stack tries to really get you involved in, get you in doing, you know, um, you know, I used to coach in North Florida, and so, you know, the 3-3 three, three stack was huge in South Georgia with those teams. So we played some, a lot of South Georgia teams. So we, we've seen a lot of it throughout the years. Uh, so and that's what you really try to get. Now, people who are really exotic with the 3-3, three, three, they'll get you some too high stuff, and they'll bring one of them guys somewhere else, and they'll start rolling that other safety. Uh, or they'll roll one of them guys down, down to the middle. And sure. he'd, be, he'd be the middle replacer out of everything. So uh, the, you can get very exotic with it if you really buy into doing that and making that your bread and butter. In the in the in the three three stack, you gotta have you know five guys obviously on the perimeter that that are pretty darn good, and you okay. gotta have backups for them as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, like you said, you gotta be a hundred percent in for that defense to mm-hmm. be able to really make that that thing work and hum. Um, talk, I saw read a little bit in the scouting report talking about choices, or excuse me. Um, special teams talk about an area that you think that, that that's something that we could be well at what do you see there that we could possibly take advantage of in the special teams whether it's kick return maybe punt return um anything specific you see that we can i think last week you know last week we were 
basically one block away from oh, yeah. two, Couple two times, yep. returns last week. And really, on the punt returns, you know, we was about one block away just, just to seal that edge and get, and get around that edge for what we want to do. Uh, so I, that's what the main thing I was talking about with the kids is just, hey, we're almost there. And I, I think a lot of times you have to speak things into existence. You have to talk things into existence. You have to... You're not only visualizing, paint a picture for the kids, but really show them how close they really are. And I just think that when you haven't accomplished something, you just got to keep talking about You got to keep building it. And of course, you have to have action behind it. Now, don't get me wrong. But I just think that if you always have a positive outcome for people to see in, and people always feel like they're on that edge of greatness, then they'll keep pushing for greatness as opposed to thinking like, man, we're so far away. Especially with kids, you, you have to all, yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I think a lot with adults, you know, you just, you have to talk with them a lot about just how close you really are. I just think it's just positive reinforcement and those things. And so that's more what it is for more than anything else. And uh, I really, and, and it matches up realistically with what we were last week in the game. Uh, well, thanks for joining us again this week. And we look forward to seeing everybody tonight, or excuse me, Friday night uh, as we take on Burden River Pirates at home. Uh, thanks for listening to the next week as we preview uh, our game. Um, or actually, we're off next week aren't we we are off next week on uh, a bye week to get hopefully healthy yes. and get guys going um, but we hope look forward to see you on a Friday night against Brain River Pirates 730 is kickoff and as always go Kings go three star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 